0: Well, hello and welcome to episode six of Master Books Podcast. We are so glad all of you have joined us today. I've got a very special program for you. Today, we're going to be talking about teaching elementary math. And we're here to encourage you and equip you with the wisdom that you need to feel confident in what you're doing. To answer some of the questions you may have about the curriculum, and today I have Angela Odell. She is the author of Master Books um, Math Live Math Lessons. Boy, my tongue is tangled already. Math Lessons for a Living Education, one of our best-selling series. So, thank you, Angela, for joining us today. You're welcome. welcome. This
1: is gonna be fun.
0: Yeah. And so we also have Amy. She's back with us again today. You have seen Amy on, I believe it was episode three. And Amy has several children who are going through the math lessons for living education series. So she's a homeschool mom teaching the series and she has a background in education. So she brings a very special set of skills to help you have some perspective and maybe hopefully as she shares her experience, answer questions that you may have in the back of your head as you're teaching. So get ready to be encouraged ladies thank you for joining me amy i love having you back thanks All right, so Angela, you wrote this series using a very captivating storyline of a sweet family that grows throughout the series, and we've had great reports, even in episode three that I just mentioned, we had a great report from Carissa about her daughter who fell in love with the idea of having chickens and a garden and, <laughs> and because of the series, and now she said, I never dreamed this would be my life, but we're all enjoying having chickens now. So, (laughs) yeah, so I want you to tell us a little bit about why you use story to teach math. Why is that a concept? How does that work for the
1: child? Well, really simply put, it puts the concepts in context. Um, It kind of frames these new concepts that the children are being introduced to in a way that helps them to know why they're learning them without even having to wonder, why am I learning this? Mm -hmm. Um, I believe that when we frame uh, all concepts, but we're talking about math today, but if we frame real concepts that these children are going to end up using throughout the rest of their life, it's really Mm -hmm. super important that we introduce them in the context that they're going to be used in or as closely as possible um it's because if if you do that if you bring it in in the natural setting the child can connect with it a lot easier Mm -hmm. and a lot more naturally Um, stories carry lessons a lot deeper into our beings than just abstract concepts um and Well, a good example of that would be uh, Jesus. Jesus taught in stories. Yes. Why did he do that? Well, he had the insight that a lot of people don't have. (laughs) He knew that the people he was talking to would understand better and would be able to connect with the story. Um, The engagement with the stories in the math lessons series is kind of the secret sauce. Gotcha. It, yeah. So when I hear people saying no, I don't read the stories, I'm like, oh please, please read the stories, <laughs> please. Because it really honestly it's not it's not just the concepts that are being introduced through the story, it's the relational aspect. Mm-hmm. It's the encouragement that these students as they're reading the story or having the story read to them, they can connect to the kids in the story Mm -hmm. and they they're kind of using it. I kind of have it as like a little bit of a a peer um, kind of a peer pressure. The kids in the story are inviting the kids learning into the story and inviting them to learn those concepts also. So um, if you, know anything about kids, which we do because of our parents, um, you do understand that there is this little bit of a competition that kids do with each other. It's a totally normal, natural thing that they do. And when kids are in a classroom setting, a lot of them do their homework and learn something because they don't want to look stupid in front of their peers. Well, it's kind of that same sort of that same, uh, technique that I'm using in the story with the kids. I use the kids that are the, approximately the same age as the student, mm-hmm. uh, not just because I want them to connect to it, but because I want them to feel that little bit of, hey, they're doing it so I can do it too.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So um, that's really the foundation of the whole concept of using story. It's very different. Yeah. Um, it's very out of the box. It's it's kind of um, unless you understand the reasoning behind it, it, sometimes it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to people who are not used to seeing stories in math. Mm-hmm. They think of stories as story problems. but um, it's, it's a different it's a different approach. Totally. Different. Well,
0: what it makes me think of is the, is that it's take the story, takes the concept past the head and into the heart, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the same thing for scripture. When I sing a song that encapsulates scripture, the, you know, mm-hmm. what the Lord said in the word, when I sing that song, it, it bypasses my head and goes right. into my heart. And the same thing with these stories. And like you said, the way Jesus taught.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So
0: mm-hmm. I love that you're teaching that way. And I love to see the master books and action shots where the kids are just so delighted about the story and they can't wait to see what's happening in the story, and actually tears when they finish their books because those are their friends, you know? It's like the kids next door. So Amy, tell us about your kids and how they are responding to the stories. Tell us about how many different levels of math you're teaching and how your children are responding to the story part of the lesson. Yep,
2: so the story of the lessons is First of all, it's just fun. It's fun to be able to follow a story while you're learning about math concepts. And, and even as a parent, while you're teaching math concepts that you're, you've are you now en- encapsulated your family into this story. And like Angela said, they really do kind of become like your friends or, or family, mm-hmm. like you're following their life. And for us, we so I currently have kids doing Math K, Math 1, Math 2 and Math 3. So we are fully integrated into the life of Charlie and Charlotte.
1: <laughs> and,
2: uh, so so we've read through the story in levels K through 2 so far. We're in level 3 now, and uh, it's just been such a fun adventure for us. And it, it's really kind of even followed our family a little bit over the years. Um, they had a new sibling, and we had a baby, and I, you know, and, and now in book three, they're getting ready or they go on a missions trip to Peru. And in a few weeks, we're leaving for a trip to Africa for a missions trip. So oh, wow. it's so neat to see how the story can even correlate to our life. But I think that's mm-hmm. the point of the story mm-hmm. is that it does. It, it helps children catch an understanding for, first of all, how we use math in everyday life. Uh, like with Carissa's kids and their chickens. Um, and I think for parents, yeah, right. And I think for parents, it's a really good reminder for us too to you know as I'm doing these everyday life tasks that maybe I would normally just do them, to remember, hey, I need to include my kiddos in these things because it is giving them the extra practice to develop and master their skills in those areas as well. So it's been really great for us.
0: That's wonderful.
2: I love that.
0: I love it. So, Angela, your curriculum really fits well into the Masterbooks method of education because you really take a developmental approach to um, designing the curriculum to meet the developmental needs, the brain development of the child who is studying. And we love that that is happening along with the story, along with, you know, engaging the child And so I want you to talk to us a little bit about how you are meeting those developmental needs in the processes. So this is in the background of learning math Mm -hmm. for the mom to know, like, while I'm doing this, why this matters, why, why things look like they do and they don't look like someone else's curriculum.
1: Right. Well, um, a lot of it, honestly, it came from my own desperate searching for something for my own kids. I have um, a son who has some. Uh, language processing issues, and I have a daughter that um, is, mm, well, she's extremely artistic, but numbers, well, we'll just put it this way. I teased her that she took uh, 12 years of foreign language, math, and <laughs> um, and she, you know, she just, <clears throat> she really struggled um, early on in her life. Uh, she had some people speak some. Um, I, I like calling it. She, well, I don't like calling it, but I do call it this: speaking death into somebody's life. Mm. And um, early on in her life, she had someone speak death into her mind and her life concerning math. Okay. Mm. And it was just an absolutely eye-opening. Uh, situation for me, because I realized that it didn't take very much for her to establish this negative mindset towards learning math. And she is extremely artistic. As we all know, she wrote the um, master books art program, the elementary one. Um, But she just really numbers were just not her her forte. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, having said that, I do believe that all children, whether they are um, artistic or or uh, technical bent in their personalities, I believe that all children can learn math and learn it well.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: um, for her, it took her a long time to learn all the concepts that she needed to learn to be a functional adult, but. To God be the glory. <laughs> she graduated with everything that she needed to be a highly functional adult in 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 math for sure. Um, but why I chose to focus on the developmental um, the the way that kids do develop and their and their um, their brain functions at an early age um, was from studying my own kids. And I realized that um, when children are really, really little and um, they don't have their, what I call their organizational system in place yet, they're great at taking in information, but they're just learning to um, create that system. That they can put things in and then draw from it. Mm-hmm. So their their organizational and their recall systems are just starting to come online because they really don't have anything to um, compare anything to. You know, they they're they're brand new <laughs> to the world. They don't have any concept of time. They don't have any concept of um, relativity in the sense of that was ten years ago. That was two years ago. This is you know, yesterday was ancient history to them. So they're just really starting to understand that whole concept. Um, but they are born with an amazing amount of curiosity. Mm -hmm. Um, we all know what it's like to have a baby learn how to crawl. And all of a sudden everything is being picked up and put up on higher shelves and outlets are being covered. And, um, you know, grandma's glass figurines are being moved and all of these different things. Why is that? Because they're curious. They're not being destructive. They're being curious. They're, they're um, exploring the world around them. And that is a wonderful thing. And that is what kids are doing when they're in those younger uh, ages during, during school. How many little tiny children love to learn I've never met a tiny child that doesn't love to learn. They all love to learn. They love to get their hands into things and to explore and to smell it. And yes, even taste it sometimes. (laughs) But that hasn't changed usually by the time they're five, six, you know, in those younger ages where they're just curious, they want to know how things work. So my goal in Creating a developmental approach, math curriculum um, was to um, tap into that curiosity and to to protect it um, and to encourage it. Um, They are at this age just beginning to develop an automatic thought system. This at this age, that like that first, what is it, five or six years? It is so important that these kids have um, good nutrition for their body and for their spirits and for their minds. So when their um, automatic thought patterns are being established concerning math, especially. I really do believe that it is so important to encourage uh, positive automatic thought processes in that. Um, If they can be taught in this way, uh, they will have um, mostly, I mean, everybody has some negative thought processes. That's the way it is. We live in a very broken and negative world. But if we can protect their thought processes and their, their establishing of these patterns as much as we possibly can. Um, I do believe, because I've seen it happen, that we can keep them eager to learn. Mm-hmm. We can keep them willing to put themselves out there even if they might fail at something. Mm-hmm. It is all in the way that we interact with these kids. So um, I, I know from experience with my daughter, Uh, especially, and other students that I've worked with through the years, that the, um, you know, not just the students, the moms (laughs) of the students too, who grew up with this negative thought process towards math. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many people do you know who think they stink at math? Mm -hmm. Where did that start? You know, they weren't born that way. It, It really started with the reinforced negative influence of this whole, I feel overwhelmed, this is too much, I don't understand. This looks like a foreign concept to me. And instead of actually being um, given a good education in context where it makes sense and then encouraged and connected with through relationships and all of those things that make a good education they have this really very firmly reinforced thought process that they stink. And that's kind of what happens in our brains. If it gets overwhelmed, it starts having this negative reaction to things. So um, I hope that makes sense because there are so many people who want to approach math as here's your workbook, go sit down and just fill in the blanks. Mm And although that might work for a very small percentage of children at that age, overwhelmingly, it doesn't work long term because Mm -hmm. you're teaching your child that math and math concepts are something to be filled in on a flat page. It has nothing to do with life. It doesn't develop critical thinking. It doesn't develop analytical thinking. It doesn't develop um, being able to understand that these concepts are living and breathing. And they're really a reflection of the character of God. Sure. and Which is so her, beautiful. Yeah. So it's like just this flat workbook with drawings on it. And it's like you can turn any math curriculum into that. You can turn math lessons into that if you're just going to hand it to your child and say, here, go fill in the blanks. But that's not the intent of it. Um, the intent is to is to facilitate an education for the whole child. Mm-hmm. And well, it- that is that is the point of, of I don't even remember what we we're talking about, the development.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you, is that why you made the lessons short? A lot of people are concerned about short lessons and so I wanted you to touch on that. Does yep. that have to do with what you're talking about with the brain development?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I I stole a term from Randy Pratt. Okay. He calls things um, bad brain, good brain. I don't mm-hmm. know if you guys are familiar with that. But I'm like, that is perfect. That is so perfect. That is exactly, that is such a succinct way of describing what happens. The bad math, the bad brain math where it just makes you feel stupid. It just makes you feel overwhelmed. Uh, You look at a page of 150 problems, okay, maybe slight exaggeration, but it feels like that, right? I mean, oceans and oceans of numbers. Mm -hmm. And it makes you feel discouraged before you even start. Mm -hmm. I remember being a kid and thinking, and I would just dread, I loved math when Mm -hmm. my dad taught it to me when we were actually like doing something together and he would you know explain something then i understood it because it was in context but these flat figures on this page it had nothing to do with anything so the number of problems in a math lesson needs to match the child's not only their developmental level but their attention span
2: mm-hmm.
1: um we literally teach our kids, we literally teach them to turn their brain off. When we give, when we give them something to do that is going to take three times their attention span, they literally sit there, they sit there with their brains turned off and just filling in the blanks. Hmm. And that is bad brain math. Good brain math engages the brain and stays, keeps the child's attention for the entire length of their attention span. Now, we all know that little kids, three, four, five, six, their attention span is about as long as a grain of rice. I mean, it is so short, right? It's like, pay attention. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So you learn, you know, you just learn to let them bounce on a ball, let them do jumping jacks while they're doing whatever. And you just learn to work with their attention span. Charlotte Mason was a really big advocate of working with the child's attention span and growing it naturally as they developed and their attention span actually naturally grew. You can actually encourage your child's attention span to grow, Mm -hmm. but you can also learn, just teach them to turn their brain off. So Mm -hmm. that is the reason why the, especially the, the lower level of the math lessons books have a lot fewer problems in them and a lot more open space so that it's not visually overwhelming. Um, By the time they get up into the, I'd say, fourth, fifth, sixth level, they're pretty average as far as, well, maybe not average, but they have a lot more problems. (laughs) <laughs> right, and, but you've
0: ha- you've given them time to get to that place exactly. developmentally. I exactly. love that. Well, I mm-hmm. want to ask Amy about um, her perspective <laughs> as a mom teaching four different levels of math lessons. So she's had some experience with this, and also she has a background in education, actually a master's degree that has something to do with curriculum development. So, Amy, tell us about your perspective, your experience the developmental side, the short lessons, just your
2: your take on this. So first of all, great question. Of course it gets asked a lot. Um,
0: is it your phone
2: call? We'll have to edit that. I had a child running. Okay. I'll start that over so you can edit that part out.
0: <laughs> let me let me ask the question again. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> so life. Uh, Okay. Mm. I'm going to do this so I can see it on the thing. All right. So, Amy, I wanted to ask you about your perspective and your experience with math lessons. You're teaching four different children four different levels of math lessons. And so, you have had the opportunity as a homeschooling mom to see how the brain development, the background of the brain development is working, the short lessons, the story, and also with your master's degree in education, you have a special set of skills and perspective that we wanna hear from you from both sides, just to encourage the moms and also give some feedback on how this is working for your family.
2: Yep. so great question. Uh the this question gets asked a lot, right? Is it enough? Does it really work to have short lessons? It's kind of a I don't know, just a thing for masterbooks that you see all the time, everywhere. And I think that the reality is masterbooks isn't teaching for a test. Um, masterbooks is teaching for real life. And that's across the board, all curriculum. But specifically right. for math, like Angela said, the math is meant to be applied to the life of the child also at their developmental stage, right? So you know, for a younger small child, it makes sense to teach them the concepts they're being taught in the books that they're taught in for their developmental age. Mm-hmm. And so one thing we see a lot in the, tr- the traditional school setting nowadays is this kind of push to, to kind of force upon kids, mm-hmm. um, especially in math and language arts, this content that they're just not ready for yet even developmentally and with their attention span. Um, And so I love that my kids are not just learning what they need to learn to pass a test or Mm -hmm. to do well on some standardized level. And it's not that it doesn't translate to that. We know that it does. We see people all the time that say, I tested my kids, my state requires it, whatever. And they did amazing, well above grade level. So we know it works for the testing part. But that's not the point of it. And I think that really does matter. Um, And again, the content is still coming across. You know, kids are testing fine. It's just the way that it's done is just so different. And like Angela said, it's very out of the box. Um, But I think the reason that it works so well is that it's not applying this very common drill and kill type setting. Where you're going to learn this concept and you're going to have seven pages of whatever concept it is right then and there. And you must learn it. And you must master it. And then we're going to move on and you're going to do the same thing again. And now you have seven pages of this concept and you must learn. It. You know, it's just that's not how that works for young children. And so the way that Masterbooks does it, especially in math, is that these concepts are re reintroduced, reviewed over and over again, all throughout the books and even across the books. You know, I've got kids in a bunch of levels right now. And my one that's in level three is still having bits of review from level two and even all the way back from level one, just little bits that are dropped in over and over. So they're getting again and again the exposure to those concepts. So what that's doing in their brains, like Angela talked about, is it's really helping them to 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 build it into their mind as a memory, not just as a they've done it one time and then maybe it's in there somewhere, but uh, but being able to come back to it and see it again and build that confidence of, hey, I remember when I did this before and I'm going to remember how to do it now because I've done it multiple times. Or maybe it's the other way around where the first time around they weren't quite getting it yet. Maybe they weren't ready for it. And you went through it and they did their couple problems and you had to help them. And then they came right. back again and had a few more. And okay, now they're understanding a little better. And now here we are again. And wow, look, you really got it yourself this time. And I think that is such a good process to see happening in our kids um, because then they're really seeing the, the fruits of their labor as they're mm-hmm. learning the concepts. Right. Um, one thing about math that I think if you were to take, let's talk about temperature, for example, from from level two, if you were to take all of the problems, the math problems for temperature, and put them into one lesson, I think you would find that it's just about the same amount that might be from another curriculum. It's just spread versus Mm -hmm. all in one lesson. And so it's not that Masterbooks is missing any of the content or even doing any less of the content. It's just a very different way of doing it. Um, so for us personally, we obviously have seen it work very well for us. Um, we've done only masterbooks from the beginning. Um, my younger two or my older two started in level one, level K wasn't out yet. And so they've done level one, level two. My oldest is in level three. My second is getting ready to start level three. She's finishing level two. And then our youngest is in K now. And so, yeah, we, we definitely have seen the progression from, K1 to 2 to 3 and how they have grown in all of those concepts. And now my child that's in level three has truly mastered so many of those early concepts. And it's really helped build the foundation as we get into some of this harder stuff. Now, he's going to be starting multiplication pretty soon. So that's new concepts now. And he's so ready. I mean, he's already, mom, when am I doing multiplication? I know it. Watch, two <laughs> times two is four. You know, like he's, he's, <laughs> because he's done all of that groundwork mm-hmm. and built that strong foundation that he's not scared of it, right? Mm-hmm. And I know not every kid is a naturally math kid, right? Like Angela said, some kids are not. My kids happen to so far all be really good at math, which is such a blessing. But, but even for kids that math may not be their their prime or their top subject, it really does help them to see, hey, I can do this and I can be good at this as I learn it, even if it takes me a little bit longer. You know, they do eventually get to that point to where they are understanding those concepts more and more and more. And I just think it builds so well with that. So that's been that's, our it's been awesome.
0: I love that. So um I want to wrap up with this idea. Part of the master books method in the way that you have designed the curriculum includes these life applications like sewing, like cooking, using the math skills in these everyday household, almost home economics type of learning situation. So there are, as you mentioned before, some parents that leave out the story when they're teaching the math and you're like, no, don't leave out the story. That's part of it what about the mom who is looks at the recipes or looks at the sewing project feels intimidated wants to skip over it because she's busy
1: speak to that a little bit well first off i can totally empathize with these people okay these moms i mean i was one of them for a long long time um we just graduated our youngest last year so that okay was, i'm i'm still kind of reeling from that shock. <laughs> but, you know, those years are just full of so much activity, so much busyness. Um, uh, there were quite literally days on end where I was in survival mode and I, I felt good about it. If we could just get our, um, you know, writing and reading and a little bit of math done <laughs> It was really you know, we all have times like that and that's, sure. still, that's fine, but we, there are a couple of things that we need to keep in mind. Number one is we need to keep our why of why we're homeschooling really very firmly planted in the front of our minds and everything needs to be processed through that because if we don't, we can very easily lose sight of the end goal. Mm -hmm. And I'm not one that super hyper focuses on an end goal because I really do believe that the process is very sanctifying. That's actually the education, the process. But we do need to have a goal in mind of when we get to the end and we look back, what do we want to be able to say about our journey what do we want our kids to be able to say about our journey? Um, we live in a culture that really celebrates and idolizes busyness. And the more things that we pile on our plates, the cooler we are. <laughs> Never mind that we're all having anxiety attacks behind closed doors, you know? I've talked to uh, many, many veteran homeschool moms. And I've I've asked them, what is your, if you could go back and redo something, if you could go back and say to yourself, when your kids were all in elementary grades, what would you do? What would you say? And what is your number one regret? And every single person, I am not joking without exception. Every single mom has told me that they would slow down, Mm. that they would take the time to do those joy filled activities With their kids they would turn off the technology they would say no to some whatever outside activity that whatever it took and they would spend some time with their kids Hmm. and you know in in every area of life in every stage of life we all have to prioritize we all have to to look at that end goal and figure out how we're going to get there in a way that is going to be not just satisfactory, but something to celebrate.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the activities and the aspects of the math lessons uh, series, it was it really meant, they're very purposeful. There are a lot of them. And I i kind of look at them like a, a buffet. You don't have to do all of them, obviously. It's not like you're going to be a big fat failure if you miss a recipe here and there (laughs) but I because I remember being that exhausted busy mom and just feeling really overwhelmed with the amount of things in my life the amount of activity and the amount of chaos and the amount of laundry and the amount of dinner. I mean, you do have to feed your kids every day. I mean, it's not like you feed them once a week. We do have to eat every day. So these things can be really overwhelming. And I remember coming across a book that was written for smaller, you know, for moms of smaller kids. And it was just really very encouraging to me. And it was a lot of activities and a lot of fun things to do using children's books. And I remember just clutching that thing to my chest and thinking, somebody did all the thinking for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, oh, my word. And it was wonderful because I could just choose something to do. And so that was kind of my idea behind doing all of these things, um, all these recipes, all these um sewing activities and just different fun things. And I know that we are a lot of the homeschool moms currently homeschooling in the elementary uh, grades. A lot of these young moms don't have a lot of the skills required to teach this stuff. There are so many young moms who don't really know how to cook don't really know how to bake, don't really know how to sew, don't really, know, really know how to do anything that we're kind of past that general, a couple of generations past that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that really sad because there's something extremely satisfying about making bread. There's mm-hmm. something extremely satisfying about being able to make a simple pair of curtains, if you want to. There's just something very satisfying about that. And I know that's not just me personally, I've heard it from many other people. So my, my goal in all of this, if I have to boil it down would be those activities are not there to make you feel less than or overwhelmed. They're there to help you. You can think of them as an older generation handing down a few of those things that have been lost Hmm. so that you can give them to your children. Don't look at it as something as you have to do them. Look at it as something that you get to learn so that you can help your kids learn it.
0: Right. So,
1: Hmm. um, but don't, don't bear it like this huge heavy burden. This, these, these books, this curriculum is they're meant to be a tool Mm -hmm. and they are to be used by you who, believe it or not, is the expert in your home with your right. kids.
0: and what we've seen in um, the Moms and Masterbooks Facebook group and the Masterbooks app is that sometimes mothers of math education, math lessons for living education students wait until they have time to spend time with grandma or somebody, you know, in the neighborhood that does know how to sew. And they do that later when there is someone there to help them. And then, you know, we all have YouTube where we can search and get the extra skills that we need for it. But I grew up with a mom and a grandmother who were home ec majors. And so I look at what you're doing with the math and thinking, I would have loved someone to point out that this is math, you know, like I'm sure mom did, but I, I didn't make the connection, you know, because right. my brain turned off when I was doing that page full of math and just wanted to get an A plus on it. And let's move on, go outside and play. Mm-hmm. So I want to thank you for all of the heart that, and the science that you've put into this curriculum. And, and I'm thankful for, the fact that you took the difficulties in your own family and your need to teach math to people who had some challenges and look what God has done with it. You took your loaves and your fishes, you gave them away and the Lord has multiplied it into this beautiful scenario, you know, feeding the kingdom, happy math, you know, yeah. to free <laughs> math that, and, and one of the things that I think that, you know, when we see kids that are crying because they're finished with their book and, is because they felt successful right. at doing math. And, you know, they loved the story, but they felt like a winner because mm-hmm. they could do it and it wasn't, okay and they want more. So I just think that's a beautiful thing. I wish I would have had that growing up. And I'm just thankful to all of you moms, all of you homeschooling parents who are taking the time, making the sacrifice to teach Mm -hmm. your children, to give them a biblical worldview, to show them life application. So they're not just trying to make a grade. So they really are going to be excellent citizens and um, taking the love of Christ brilliance that he's put in each one of them uniquely into the world. And I want to wrap up this podcast. We're so glad that Angela, you joined us and Amy, thank you for bringing the light to um, this beautiful curriculum that Angela has um, given master books that we get to spread around the world. But I do I want to end this with a blessing and a prayer for each one of you. And I pray that in every place that you are worrying about your children, about your family, about the success of your homeschooling experience, that the Lord would deposit more wisdom than you knew was possible, more peace and more joy. And that in that wisdom, peace and joy, you would just be liberated, liberated to enjoy the life you've been given, to see the challenges as opportunities and just to experience that love of God that is so so big that we can't comprehend it. That's what Ephesians three says. It's too big to comprehend. And yet we get to every day, just choose to taste and see that he is good. And I know that you will as you homeschool using a biblical worldview. And we're just thankful that you partner with us for the mission of ink on paper to touch eternity. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Angela, for doing those things. Thanks to you, the listener, and we will see you next time.